Greetings and welcome to Surf's Up, the Beach Boys podcast safari. My name is Mark Dillon, author of 50 Sides of the Beach Boys, and I am here today with my partner, Phil Migliorati. Hello, Phil. Hello, Mark. Good to see you and uh, hear you and I'm excited about this conversation with some diehard Beach Boy fans. Yeah, we're going to have some fun tonight. We have brothers Matt and Greg Coffey, better known to fans as Beach Boys Talk Matt and Beach Boys Talk Greg. They host the weekly online show, Beach Boys Talk. It's a great show, available on Facebook and YouTube. And I have to say, it's really brought the community together. They've been doing it, I think, for three years now. They incorporate group chats. They do a Many Moods of Matt segment where Matt sounds off on whatever he wants. Greg plays songs, and they always have great guests. Here to tell us all about it, will you please welcome... Beach Boys Talk, Matt and Greg. Hey, Woo-hoo! guys. Hello. Welcome, guys. Man, so honored to be here. This is awesome. This is super yeah, cool. Thank yeah. you so much. Well, you were nice enough to have me on your show, and uh, I'm glad to have you on. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, you. yeah, but you you've were... actually contributed something. You, like, wrote something. Like, you wrote you're an amazing book, author. Yeah. Like, wait a second. <laughs> a little bit of a difference there. Matt and I just talk about our Beach Boy opinions, which are usually pretty, pretty bad. So. The, the internet is the new literature. You are them. We, we get to we get to interview guys like you for our content, so we I thank know. you. Right, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you had another great episode last night with Chris Farmer, who uh, played bass and was musical director of the touring Beach Boys in the in the late nineties, early two thousands. Are, are you guys now taking a bit of a break? Is that right? Yeah, we um, we take a break uh, around this time every year. I don't remember when we stopped last year, but when the holidays start coming and things like that, we we get a little busy and. We assume people probably get a little busy too, you know, to, to tune in for Tuesday nights. And also it's just a break for us to kind of regroup and talk about content for the next season and things like that. And we get going again in January. We have the last couple of years. So, Can you tell us a bit about your lives outside of your, your Beach Boys fandom? I know, Greg, that you uh, you are a professional musician uh, for mm-hmm. one thing, but can you guys tell yeah. me what, uh, what, what else you guys do other than this Beach Boys stuff? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I went to school for music, uh, you know, and then I, I went to Nashville for a long time and and did that thing and, you know, did the, did the touring thing and the writing thing and loved it, you know, loved my time in Nashville, but by some strange thing, you know, I ended up in Cleveland, Ohio. We did a, did some, some gigging and stuff up here and I ended up meeting my wife and, you know, staying up here. And so fell in love with Cleveland to be, to be honest as well. It's a great city, great people. And, um, and yeah, so I ended up moving to Cleveland and, uh, and now here, uh, I, yeah, I'm a professional musician. I, I own a couple companies that do, uh, if you've ever been to like a dueling piano bar before, uh, we do that. And it's really, really fun. It's a kind of a u- unique, engaging concept where I kind of get to do what I love to do. And it's, it's kind of one of the reasons why we kind of did the show. It's this mix of kind of dueling piano bar beach boy talk beach boys because i can i can hack my way through most of the beach boy catalog and once again that's not a brag that's you know i just it's it is what it is but um but yeah so i i i do music for for a living and uh in cleveland and i I love it it's it's a lot of fun so is it true that there's no surf in cleveland according to the euclid street band Oh yeah. You know, that's, that's a, that's a good question. And, uh, there absolutely is surfing in, uh, in Cleveland, man, uh, Lake Erie, sometimes those waves, those waves can get pretty, pretty big. Uh, now the problem is, is the temperature. I don't know how those, how those, uh, those surfers do it. Cause it, it can get pretty cold, pretty choppy out there, but, uh, but yeah, no, def- definitely surfing in Cleveland. Uh, among others, you played for uh, Jamie Lynn Spears, right? That's right. Yeah. I was on tour with her for 
a couple years and um yeah it was that was really uh that was really fun i got to kind of pretend to be a rock star for a couple years you know and uh it was it was uh it was a lot of fun i was very lucky i'm older than greg we we come from a family of nine and um there's four boys and five girls yeah there's a brother older than me and then greg and then we have another brother and uh you know, growing up, I always loved music. We grew up in a musical family. We all can kind of carry a tune or played an instrument. Greg's the most talented in our family. So I was kind of a, I played drums in high school, you know, and marching band and stuff like that. Never played in bands or anything, but uh, I, I loved the Beach Boys when I was a kid. But what I do now is I went, um, I'm a dean of students at a middle school in North Omaha. So I do discipline for seventh graders all day. I have my oh. doctorate in education. So um i love being in schools i love working with with students um but beach boys talk is really a a nice release from all of that you know because that job can be pretty pretty busy i wouldn't say stressful but busy you know and not always the most glamorous kind of work and uh i also tend bar at a little 10 lane uh, bowling alley on the weekends too also to just for fun so but yeah my main thing is education and so I think uh, with the show, we kind of complement each other that way. Greg has all the, mm-hmm. the musical stuff and and I'm not smarter, but I, you know, I don't I can li- like read some stuff, you know, while he's practicing music and well, things like that, you know, for the show, that kind of thing. And I can do a little research, you know, well, I'll give Matt a lot of credit, too. I mean, I think one thing that works well with what we do is I'm kind of the annoying, loud one that doesn't really care what people think kind of thing. Whereas Matt, I think, is the definition of like kind and thoughtful and like you know in, in everything he kind of does and says so it's uh i think it's a i think it is a good balance i think it really is so oh definitely that that really comes across and, and so the two of you hatched this was it was it during the pandemic when you both had some downtime yeah i i gotta give my brother all the credit one day you know um covet hit and i was home you know of course i was working at a school so we were home i think greg had didn't have a lot of gigs to do when when it first started so we would just get on the phone and start talking. And I'm not I'm not even lying when I tell you this. Some of the conversations we had on the phone are exactly what you hear on the show, you know, not yeah. the exact conversation, but the same style. And Greg, Greg's very, uh, you know, savvy with the tech technology and things like that. And he just called me one day and said, hey, why don't we stream? He's like, we talk like this. Why don't we just stream it and see what happens? And it really happened like that. I remember the first episode we did. I think, Greg, what do we have like? eight or nine live viewers, maybe not even that many. Oh, and dude, we just, I, I think you're being kind of generous. I think we had two, two or three. Or three. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. and, and, it, and it literally just grew from there to, to what it is today. And not, you know, we're not huge now, but the, the way I measure the success is the, all the people we've gotten to speak to, because as, as big fans of the beach boys, I mean, you know, I think Greg would tell you the same thing. There's people we we've spoken to that was like a dream. I never thought I would speak to in my whole life, you know, so it's been very rewarding that way. But yeah, it started primarily during COVID. Who, who was the guest that you would say surprised you the most? Hmm. Either in terms of getting that guest or what they had to say once they were on your show. Man, that's a that's a good question. I think I think the guest that surprised me the most that we got um is more beach boy adjacent but that was carney wilson i mean she's kind of kind of big in her own right you know kind of famous and uh people know her outside of the beach boys you know um wendy as well but carney was she came on first so that was kind of a surprise we've had so many now this most surprising i think because of the humor and the stories and i i personally love the air maybe we'll talk about that later but i just think gary gary griffin was so awesome i love he he was on our show twice 
he kind of he kind of popped on when we did the MIU <laughs> review. And I just thought his stories were pretty neat. And the fact that he just called up, he met Mike Love one time and just called and said, hey, can I be in the band? And they pretty much said yes. I just thought that was pretty, pretty awesome, you know? Yeah, I, I think uh, for me, I, I think all the guests obviously have have been yeah, great. Yeah. But this one's really, really strange because uh, I reached out to him because we were thinking about maybe doing something not Beach Boy related. And Matt and I, if it wasn't the Beach Boys, it'd be the Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. We just grew up on that music, you know, and we love it so much. And so I reached out to Robbie Robinson, who's the music director for Frankie Valley and has been his music director, I mean, since the mid 70s. So, I mean, we're talking a long time. And it was really cool because he's like, yeah, oh, I've, I've definitely heard of your show. I mean, I'd love to be on. And that was like, that was really surprising. Not that he had heard the show, but it's like being able to talk to somebody not Beach Boy related that, um, that has had such a huge influence on your life. That was a that was a surprise mm-hmm. for me that we were able to snag him. Uh, one of the things that you guys did that that got a lot of attention was uh, you did this genius thing where you covered Kokomo, but you did it in the style not not of the sort of synthy nineteen eighties, but in the style of of the Beach Boys circa nineteen sixty four. And it's uh, it's a joy to behold. And you did a video, and Matt, you demonstrate some impressive juggling abilities, and you guys show off all your fan shirts, yeah. some of which you made yourselves. So t- tell us yeah. about that. It's 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 wild. Yeah. So I I uh, I've been recording music. I think just about until I could touch a computer. You know, I just I love recording music. I've always you know I I was went to school for it and and studied it and all that kind of stuff. So I love recording, and it just kind of worked out where in high school. Matt and I, Matt won't probably admit this and no one will ever hear it, but we used to record Beach Boy covers way before, like when I was in high school, Matt was in, I'm what, college maybe? Early yeah, college. Yeah. College years. I mean, it's, they're great, but they're bad, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's just really, really fun. And, um, and so it was just kind of cool to like come full circle to like have this, this really unique platform and this great group of people that we chat with to once again, like take something that we both love and something that I think we both are relatively like have some ability in, uh, and, and give it a go. And, uh, and it totally worked out. I, I, I had a lot of fun doing it. And, uh, in fact, yeah, we're working on another one, but, uh, yeah, it just kind of, uh, once again, just one of those things where it's like, Hey, let's just try anything and see what happens. And it, uh, well, Greg's being a little modest though. I mean, the way it went down was he called me one day and he said, Hey, did you check your email? And I said, no, he's like, check your email. So I check it and the whole, track pretty much is done you know and uh background vocals i did go to cleveland and we we recorded the um you know the lead stuff the stuff that i sang i sang on some of the harmony tracks but he already had most of that done as well i either just replaced some of them or sang over them but the whole concept and the you know the 1965 style was all all my brother he's got that that in him and i i mean i feel it like what he does i i think we we can get on the same page once we hear it and we made yeah some tweaks here and there because we kind of feel the same way when we listen to Beach Boys music, but that was mostly my brother. I got to just fly in and sing a couple of lines, and you know, um, and then do the the goofy video we did. But well, and honestly, the the thing that really makes the track really really special for us is uh, you know having Scott Totten play on it. Like that was uh, oh yeah, that was like you know, it's like what are we doing? Like this is really cool for us, you know, and because because at at our at our at our core. Matt and I are literally, and I'm, this is sounds dumb, but we are literally just like, we're just like the, we're just like Claire and we're just like Stacy and we're just like capital Joe, you know, like all these folks that join us. The only difference is we have cameras in front of us. Other than that, we're just like, 
Scott Totten played on our thing. Like we yeah. scream like girls. Like it's awesome. You know, it's, <laughs> It's uh, you know, we're just, but we're you just know, huge fans. Yeah. I'd like to think though, one of the things I don't want to digress, sorry, but I, I did want to point this out because I don't think two years ago or three years ago, that would have happened where even if we recorded a song, but I think listening to some of the interviews with some of the, the band members and just the fact that they just went for it and they said, Hey, they were at the right place at the right time, or they built a relationship and asked, you know, that's kind of what we did. We were like, we have nothing to lose. Let's just see if Scott would play a guitar solo on it, you know? And yeah, sure enough, he does. And I don't think we would have, would have wanted to do that, you know, a few years ago. So, well, Scott yeah. is a very nice guy and uh, certainly missed in the uh, current uh, touring lineup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you, uh, Mark, have you gotten to see the, the beach boys iteration recently? No, I haven't. The last show I saw was last summer when, when Scott and John Cousel uh, were okay. still there. Um, but I mean, I've looked at some videos and I mean, John Bolton certainly brings uh, a lot of energy on drums. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. They're they're Yeah. They're both great players, obviously. Um, Phil, Phil, have you seen, uh, have you gotten to catch any concerts lately? Uh, no, my, no, my last uh, shot was this past spring. So it was not the very last show, but one of the last shows that, uh, you know, the, the old guys were in before they got bounced or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Sure. I saw them last at the, at the Ryman. It was, um, uh, I don't remember if it was right before the pandemic or right after, but that was really neat to see it in Nashville at the Ryman at Ryman theater, Ryman auditorium oh, and yeah. the Mike and Bruce show that we got to see Brian there too. So that that's a good place to see a concert. So I wonder if we'll ever see another Brian show. I'm kind of thinking not. I yeah, have a feeling that he's uh, ended touring, but it's just rumors. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, nothing official, but you know, um, if he's happy with what he's doing right now, I think, you know, the question kind of comes down to, for me is his backing band is so, so good, but Brian, I saw Brian in 2015 or 16. It was the no peer pressure tour. And that was one of the best shows I had ever seen with him. He sang surfs up, uh, busy doing nothing. Um, you know, I, I, I can go on and on, uh, uh, our prayer heroes and villains, you know, and he was there, he was talking with the crowd. He was happy. And ever since then, I saw 12 of the pet sound shows and some of them were good, but I just see him kind of, um, I don't know if the right word is deteriorating. Cause I don't mean it like that, but I think, you know what I mean? He's just, he's 80, you know, he's 81, 82 years old. And how much, you know, how much more does he have to give us anyway? I, you know, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's done, but if he is done, what a, what a comeback he made, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, and Phil could probably speak to this better than I could, but I mean, if you were a beach boys fan in the early eighties, like it was pretty dry. I mean, they had the 85 album. That was something, but yeah, I mean, Brian, Brian was not, not really there. And uh, it just all seemed kind of depressing and smile was never going to come out. And then everything changed. Like he came out with a solo album in 88 and, you know, Pet Sounds was released on CD and everything else and bonus tracks and uh, and the 93 box set and, and things took off. Like whoever thought I never thought Brian would be a solo frontman. I never thought we'd ever see that. And and let alone like touring behind Smile. But uh, Phil, I think you went to one of the very first uh, Brian shows in Illinois, didn't you? Yeah, I think it might have been his second one on that tour. And I think there may have been one kind of practice show uh, in St. Charles before that, but it was outstanding. And, uh, you know, his, it would be interesting to extract, this is almost impossible, but to extract his solo career from his beach boy career and, and to just look at that, um, he probably 
deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just for that. But uh, that was after after a long period of the only thing we would remember here. I would remember hearing about Brian is that he, um, you know, was maybe in the hospital or uh, was missing in action, so to speak. So, uh, yes, an amazing comeback. And then when we now what we now know about Landy and, and his two episodes with him, it's even more amazing uh, that he's even just alive and uh, but yet able to perform at such a high level for so long. I, I is, and this is the guy who uh, they had to get Glenn Campbell to replace him because he didn't want to be on stage. Yeah. Can I ask a question about that? What did it when you first heard he was coming back on the road and went what what were your expectations and, and were they met exceeded or met or. They were exceeded uh, partly, well, partly, mostly because he uh, did exceed, uh, I think, probably everybody's expectations. I mean, he's just plain old good. So mm -hmm. I'm knocking it with what I'm about to say. But I was expecting maybe the worst. Uh, right. Who, who knows? Because we, again, what we'd heard, how much of it was true over the years is not true. But the image that was built up as to his capacity, not his uh, ability but mm -hmm. his capacities maybe to be on stage or to fight his anxiety or to even perform uh, was a mystery. So, uh, I, you know, the theater, I got, somehow the, the seat that I got, it came from one of the band members uh, and got me in so I could go backstage later, but happened to be on the very right, far right side of the theater. And it's like, uh, you know, that's not where you prefer to sit. But once it started and I was able to stand up and just stand up the whole time and sing like the, you know, eighth band member or something mm -hmm. like go crazy. I realized it was a benefit because there's nobody behind you when you kind of slide off to the wall yeah. and just, you just stand there. So uh, it was, uh, it was just a great experience. I'd love to hear your, your guys, what was your first show? And I'll just add that and, and sort of uh, dovetailing on what, what Phil was saying. My first show was 1979 at the Montreal forum and Brian was there. And, and what I remember best of, about that show was he sat off on the right side of the stage behind a keyboard and he seemed more preoccupied with drinking Diet Coke and smoking cigarettes than, than anything else. And, and I, I was 10 years old and I was thinking, why does everyone make such a big deal about Brian Wilson? Like, he's just not doing anything, you know. And mm -hmm. of course, I had uh, I had a lot to learn. But, uh, you know, look, look, look what he did. But, but when, when did you guys first see uh, the Beach Boys? Well, I'll I'll go first. I, uh, I I'd like to talk about two two shows a bit. The first time I ever saw the Beach Boys was I was young. I think it was nineteen ninety or ninety one, maybe even ninety two in in Albany and um, New York. That's where we grew up near Albany. And I remember they were late uh, for some. Their flight was late, and the Everly Brothers opened for them. So that was really cool. I got to see the Everly Brothers. I don't remember a lot about that show because I was little, but I remember they opened with Darlin and Carl, and you know, and then. You know, they played Kokomo, Good Vibration, all, all the songs. But I remember it being pretty because that was the Kokomo era. You know, they had a good band at that time. Good live band. Um, the first Brian Wilson show. So, you know, that was the Beach Boys. And then I didn't go to any concerts or really do much with the Beach Boys for a long time. I still listen to them, but not the rabbit hole. You know, Greg and I talk about with Smile and even Pet Sounds and all that. But by the time I got to see him and I think it was two, 2005, the first time it might've been 2004. I think it was 2005 in Kansas city. It was smile. That was my first Brian Wilson concert. And um, I won't forget that. I remember him peeking out of the, on the stage. It was an outside theater, starlight theater. 
and he had on white pants and red shoes, you know, in this Hawaiian shirt. And he looked like a big bear, you know, he walked like, you know, <laughs> and I just remember seeing him and I, I had seen clips of him singing. So I kind of knew what I knew, knew what to expect a little bit, but you know, he played a whole set of hits, he even played little St. Nick. Cause I think it was uh, either his Christmas album was coming out that, that winter time or whatever. I just thought it was odd. He played that this summertime, but smile was, was incredible. Um mm. And I think I've seen him about 15 times now, but that, that was my first Brian solo show was 2005, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think my first concert, Matt was with you, Kansas city. Is that right? Uh, no, I don't think you, I think the first one we went to Greg together was the uh, Nashville? Lucky, lucky old sun tour at the Ryman. Yep. Okay. And we, and we got to meet Brian. Remember? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky old son. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'll, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier that I'm like the contrarian, but I, I really mean it. And I, I love Brian. I love the Beach Boys, but I can't say that I've ever had a. My experiences seeing Brian Wilson in concert have been great. Um, you know, because I'm spending time with Brother Matt. You know, because we're having a, a get together. We're we're doing something together that we both love. Uh, I don't know that I'm alone if, in saying that. I don't, I don't know that Brian to me has ever looked like he's like wants to be there you know it looks like it's always looked to me like somebody has a gun off stage that's like pointing to him <laughs> and we don't see it but he does you know and uh and i've always thought that that has been so weird and and why i'm so surprised that the kind of the stop touring thing didn't happen sooner like i get his band is awesome and they are we've had some of them on the show and they're incredible people they're really talented but it's like i i don't know i have you guys ever felt comfortable being i've, I've just never watching him play like it it just it feels really strange because it just doesn't seem like he's into it and wants to be there and when he does seem into it it seems super kind of forced and kind of weird it's like you know all of a sudden he'll make people clap their hands and then like it's out of nowhere and then you know he'll he'll basically run off stage and just i don't know and then even even meeting him at the ryman like you know they say don't meet your heroes but you know i went up and shook his hand i mean he doesn't say anything to you you know and just kind of looks like I don't know. It, it. I'm probably. I'm probably. I know I'm not upsetting anybody, but it's like that's been. I think it's. It's been one of the strangest things for me that I that it lasted this long. I'm just. I'm surprised it has because it's. It was such a strange thing. We got. We got to meet him twice, and um. Yeah. The first time was at Grimy's record store. He signed a couple things. That's. I have my my pet sounds. Well, you won't be able to see it, but behind me is. That's when I got that autographed in what person. Was the by other him. time. We met him in Cleveland and he was a lot different than remember the pet sounds tour. We had the VIP and we were at the end of oh, the line. Yeah, We took a picture with him. Yeah, no, but no, but what was neat about it was they were like, just go around the line. But you and I ran up and we shook his hand and he gave a good handshake. He did talk. Then he said, hi, and thank you. And that was funny because we saw Blondie out in the audience and we went up and talked to him for a minute. And then when we went in there, he goes, oh, it's you guys again. You know, and we got to talk to Al for, you know, 30 seconds again, nothing, nothing deep, but. If I could just speak to what Greg said real quick, I look at it differently when I would see Brian Wilson, not the Beach Boys, but Brian Wilson. I looked at it more like you're there to celebrate what he's given us, you know, in 60 years. I didn't go to see him sing incredibly, you know, like uh, Tony Bennett or something. I mean, even in the 60s, well, as, no, some, he, as somebody mentioned before, he no, but he, you go he, to see him at least look like he wants to be there at least. Well, right. That should be like, yeah, step I'm, one. Just, I'm just saying I it was. But when I went in with that expectation that like Brian's there, he wrote the music. He's the man behind it all. I just want to honor him and tell him thank you. You know, 
there were some really amazing concerts I went to that I remember because he sounded way better than I expected. And the no peer pressure tour was one of those, you know, but even in the sixties, we learned, I learned from the show that he didn't even tour in like 1962 or something like that. You know, David Marks and Al Jardine were touring, you know, so he's just never been a guy who's like the stage. It seemed like, so I kind of think what he's done is pretty, I don't know if the word is, is heroic, but brave or something, because I don't think he's ever been comfortable on stage, you know? No, he's definitely not a, a showman. And I think you have to go into it knowing who Brian is, but I think he can, he can deliver a little extra when, when, when so inspired. And, and you talk about the smile tour and so th- to me, that was fantastic. I saw it at Massey Hall here in Toronto, second row. And I was so close. And Brian was right at the front, like behind his keyboard. And when the lights would go down on a number, I could hear him talking to himself and giving himself a pep talk and say, OK, smile, smile. And so then he would mm-hmm. smile. The lights would come on to be a big smile, you know. So <laughs> I could tell that the, 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 the whole smile thing meant so much to him that he was really bringing it as, as best he could. But Greg, we, we certainly understand uh, what you're talking about. And there's been a lot of question, uh, especially more recently about how much does he want to be there? I know his manager, Gene Severs has kind of hit back at, at those kind of comments. I know she posted something where he said, believe me, he wants to be there, you know? Yeah. But don't you think there would be a hint of like somebody, I mean, like you kind of just said, like, I don't know, man, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist about this, but like, mm-hmm. to me, that sounds like, that sounds like being coached. It's like, why? Like you need to, I mean, like saying to yourself, smile, smile, like so, someone's telling him to smile, you know, it's like, I don't know. I just don't, that to me, just, just that idea just sounds so, so strange to this me. Is, it's like, this if he is really where, wants to be there. Like, oh man, I don't know. This is where we kind of differ because I've read and I believe this to be true. Well, we know, we know he's deaf in one ear. So I don't think that helps when he's on stage. In fact, he's talked about before where if he's not, sitting in the, in the right position, he can, he can't barely even hear anything. Everything sounds muddled. And so then he gets worried about a singing. Can he sing on key? But I also, he also talks about the auditory hallucinations he has while he's performing. And I think that, I I think that would give you kind of the the stare that he gives sometime, you know? So I think, I think there's probably part of that going on too. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm not in any way like blaming him or anything like that. I just think it's strange that he's there. Like you would think that if you're going through all this, and you look so miserable on stage. Why? Like, why are you there? Why would you be there? Like, I mean, like, who are you? I I don't know. I just, that, it just seems, mm-hmm. seems odd to me. And it, it's, it's not like it's new. Like all of a sudden this late in his life, he's like, yeah, I want to tour incessantly. You know, I want to tour all the time. It's, I don't know, man. I, like I said, I don't, I don't want to say anything. that's going to upset anybody, but it just, it just doesn't super add up to me. Uh, well, and I don't not- know that it ever will. It's a line from one of the songs that comes to my mind as I'm listening to you guys talk about this. Yeah. And that's sometimes I feel very sad. Yeah. Uh, my response to the, that stuff is uh, I don't pretend to know what it is. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something to be, and no one's mad here, but it's nothing to be mad about, or even in some ways disappointed. It's just sad. And yet uh, Matt, your, your word of uh, hero yeah, he is doing heroic things to be out there. And my, I don't know any better than anybody else, but uh, Brian has always had a strong influence in his life, whether for good or bad, or maybe not so much bad, but whether it's it's trying to be supportive or using him. And uh, even at this stage in life, you know, there's individuals in his life who uh, maybe have some 
uh, influence? Would he, in other words, would he be, would he still be touring if uh, if he could do whatever he wanted to do? And maybe the answer is maybe not so much. Maybe not. We the, don't the, know. the last line of my book was a quote that Brian told me, and, and he said he wanted to keep busy because he does not. He did, I'm paraphrasing, but he, I don't want to be lazy because he think of all the trouble Brian has gotten into when he's not busy. You know, I think it's I think for him, it's it's survival is to be to be in the studio or to be out on the road yeah. mm-hmm. or else he's just going to sink under the weight of all the things that that, that, that that weigh him down. You know, so that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we'll ever truly understand what it's like to be Brian, but uh, I, I, mm-hmm. I appreciate what Matt said about it gives us a chance to honor him. And, you know, according to people close to him, he appreciates it. He might not even show it, you know, like it's, it's hard yeah. to say, but I mean, uh, it is, it must, it's registering on some level, this, this adulation that, that he gets, you know, and I think every show I've been to where they've done God only knows has been a standing ovation and it's felt almost like a, like a religious moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think it's a little bit therapeutic or at least it was, um, you know, and again, you you can, everybody talks about the demons. They said you could see the demons come out of them after, you know, that smile premiere, you know? And so I think there was part of that. He was not on the road for so long. And, you know, in the seventies, he did some stints, but he obviously was having a lot of issues with substance abuse and stuff. But I think there was something to be said for that, to get him out there just to say, Hey, this is what you did in your life, you know, you may be sad, you know, you may have these demons and these issues, but look at all the happiness you bring the world, you know? Yeah. But do I don't know that, that that's like <laughs> so self-serving. Like it's, it's like, that's, that's all the fans saying all these things. Who's do de- you know, his demons left him. Like who, well, what? I don't think, he, what does that even mean? Like it, who says he think, has demons in the first place? You know, I don't think he, he was doing it for him. I think what Phil said might be true. He was probably a little bit convinced to go out and tour, but I think, that was one of the reasons for it was to let him get that and hear that adulation with no, the, that, that no, it doesn't have to no be way. all bad, you know? Well, but I, I don't know. Th- I, then why didn't he tour in the sixties then? It's like, I don't know. He was it, busy writing, making records. I think the wrecking yeah, crew. He, he didn't like the life. And I mean, he couldn't write these. So he was more into writing and producing He's a I mean, studio guy. Really? Yeah. Well, the keep him busy thing. I get like that to me, the, the being in the studio would make a ton of sense for him. But being on stage, knowing his history, and then watching him out there time after time just look so physically miserable. I just, I don't, uh, I don't know, man. It seems like so much of this stuff is just made up by, by like the fans, you know? Mm. It's just so weird. I don't know. Well, I, we, we, we had it for a number of years. I don't, I don't know if we have it anymore, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> good or bad, we, we got to see him. I don't think so. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, even the bad, I mean, as sad as I would feel watching him in what would what, what appear to be obviously difficult mo- psychological moments for him on stage, even, even that as a fan, uh, um, and maybe that becomes me using him for my purposes, but even that was an honor to to see him and to be in the same room, even though there were two, 2,000 other people. Yeah, Phil, that's a good point. And I, I'm sorry, just close this on a positive note so I don't sound like a complete psychotic jerk, but I, <laughs> I'd like I obviously Matt, you kind of mentioned it like being brave, heroic, very selfless. That's like Brian's Brian's MO. I've always thought, you know what I mean? And that that's where it, maybe it does line up for me is like, Hey, I don't necessarily really want to be out here. And it's very difficult for me to show. I want to be out here, but I'm going to be out here because Matt would love it tonight. You know what I mean? Or Phil would love it. And I think that's such a core 
thing that I think has drawn Matt and I to, to the Wilson brothers and specifically Brian and Carl, you know, Brian really is that, you know, he's always seemed to just kind of, uh, kind of self self-sacrifice has kind of always seemingly been his, his thing. And so maybe, maybe that's what it is in which case, you know, shut up, Greg, you're being a, you know, you're being, being an ass. So what makes me think of, uh, well, Brian's solo signature song, I think love and mercy yeah, saying to us, love and mercy is what you need tonight. Maybe what he's saying, that's why I'm here. Yeah, because sure. tonight you're going to get some love and mercy. And I yeah. think one thing that all Beach Boy fans would agree on that love seems to be the core motivation of, of Brian's heart and soul. Yeah. So uh, even more heroic when you put it when, when I think of it in those terms. Yeah. So. And and pleasing other people you know again you you talked about he's always had an influence he wanted to please his dad so much in the 60s with the music shows daddy could do it you know the his 80s brothers. he might he might his brothers he might have wanted to please even dr landy you know and maybe now his current family but i don't think he does any of that stuff for selfish reasons and that's the thing like i wouldn't no. even deny that maybe he's not he doesn't want to be out there i never I, I said i never thought he was comfortable on stage but but yeah, uh, just to reiterate that, I think he he does it for everybody else. So that's why I think it's time for him just to have time to himself, you know, and like he said, you know, not to be corny, but he said he was busy doing nothing, you know, just sitting in his chair and chilling out. So maybe he... The second a- part of that was I'm busy doing nothing and it's okay. It's yeah, okay. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so... You, you guys, I wanted to mention you've uh, you've taken your fandom to the next level. You've done things like uh, you did a pilgrimage out to California, right? You went to Paradise Cove, where they shot the Surf and Safari and Surfer Girl album covers, Beach Boys Historic Landmark, where the Wilson family home used to be. And you also visited with uh, Annie Wilson Carges, uh, Carl Wilson's first wife, right? Oh, man. Mark, I got to tell you, if there's one thing like besides being able to be friends with all the people that join us on Tuesday nights, it's uh, it's our relationship with Annie and, and don't, I don't want to overplay our hand here. It's, you know, she is very, very kind to us as, you know, um, as just a great, a great quality human being is to two really annoying guys. But, um, you know, she has, uh, she's been so gracious with her time and she sent us things. She sends us cards every once in a while. We talk, you know, we're able to speak with her on the phone. And every time I talk to her on the phone, I'm always like, I, I still tell her I'm pinching myself right now. Cause I'm, I'm talking to, you know, to Annie Wilson, you know, just so, so cool. Who's uh, she's just a, a wonderful person. And, uh, and yeah, so we got to go, um, Matt and I went out to LA, we were planning on going to LA and then we kind of had this, this, this really great relationship with Annie and, um, she invited us out originally. I think we were just going to try and grab lunch or something, but it yeah. turned into this thing where she basically picked us up in the morning and then all day for a few days, you know, she kind of just drove us around and, talked about growing up with Billy and uh you know how Billy was across the street like down the road with Dean Martin and and all and like all those folks which was just so crazy and um showing us all the Beach Boy sites and uh and yeah I I can't speak uh more highly of her and uh you know she's uh yeah we're we're very lucky Mark like that's like the to me that's we yeah. we could we could end the show tomorrow and never do it again and and uh, we've exceeded our own personal, I think, expectations with with just just that one, you know, relationship. Yeah, I mean, we had a we got to have a beer at a Che J's, you know, the Dennis Wilson bar with John yep. Stebbins, you know. Oh yeah, and that was Annie. Cool. Annie took us to the house where her and Carl lived when they they did the the the, the wouldn't it be nice video, you know, with the pool. Yep. She just drove us around everywhere. We saw Brian's 
home up in the in the canyon, whatever that was. But then oh, she showed it, us his Bellagio home, and yep, uh, don't, and don't forget, she surprised us at lunch with uh, with Alan Boyd. Like all Alan of a sudden, Boyd, she you know, we were Alan out to Boyd lunch, over. and then all of a sudden, yeah. Alan Boyd shows up, and you know, she. Well, well how about the big surprise that. at Paradise Cove when Justin showed up? Oh yeah, son. yeah. Then it, we were at yeah. Paradise Cove, and yeah, I mean, she she really pulled out all the stops. Yeah, which was, she brought us to the cemetery because. Yeah. You can't really find that. We we learned unless you know where it is, where, you know, where Carl's buried and Billy. Um, it was it was just a, it was magical. You know, it, yeah. it really was. And because of her, um, the, one of the other places she showed us was that house that they have in the in the Beach Boys, uh, um, an American band documentary when they're all there for Brian's birthday. Oh, and they, they yeah. cut to that house. She showed us that house. It was just it was neat, but it was neat talking to her and hearing some of her stories and just, you know, we saw where Brother Records used to be. I think we almost hit everything, Greg, that you have to see about if you're a Beach Boys fan. Yeah, yeah, and with with the best person, too. I'll just yeah, with, yeah, with Beach Boys royalty, so it was pretty neat, but yeah, we're, we're very lucky. blessed, for sure. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, so aside from being Carl Wilson's first wife, her brother, Billy, that you're referring to is Billy Hinchy, who played with the Beach Boys for many That's years, right. uh, mm -hmm. almost became a member. And I, and I think this really speaks to the kind of person that Carl was, that the first wife would do all that for you. Like, no, no bitterness or anything like that. Like, happy to talk about Carl and, and happy to, like, show uh, young fans the sights. And, and Greg, you talk about Carl a lot. I get the feeling that, that Carl's, like, your guy. Oh, man. If uh, Well, actually, Matt kind of reminds me a lot of what I think Carl was probably like. Like I said, just real talented, but, like, super selfless, humble and kind and, you know, and, and – uh, and I, I don't know. I've just, I've always been, I've, I wish I could emulate that more. Cause clearly I don't, you know, it's, it's a, it's a daily struggle, but, um, but yeah, man, the first time I saw, I think the moment where I absolutely fell completely in love with Carl Wilson was the first time in American band where, um, they, they show a clip of, they, they clip to the TAMI concert and, and uh, it's during the dance, dance, dance solo where Mike Love is doing the mashed potato. He's like going to town, but Carl is just, he's got his head down and he's just going to town on the 12 string Rickenbacker. And it's just like, oh man, like I need to find out more about this guy. And uh, I, you know, come to find out he's, you know, awesome voice, great guitar player and, uh, and kind of the glue. So yes, huge Carl Wilson uh, fan. And that's once again, why meeting Annie, was such a such a big deal because you kind of felt you could kind of feel and strangely enough sorry i'm totally going off in a different direction but you know hanging out with with justin was strange too because i've been looking at carl's face and mannerisms for like my whole life never met him obviously but then you sit across the table from from justin and it was so strange man it's like because he's got the beard and his face looks uh, so much like Carl's and the way he talks and the thing he said, things he says, it's just like every once in a while I have to be like, man, like you just have those moments where this, you know, you don't know what reality is, is you know, so it's, it was pretty cool. But yeah, um, huge Carl Wilson fan. Carl is uh, everybody always talks so highly of him and should, but uh, I had met him twice the second time. Oh man. Uh, he almost threw me out of the uh, Beach Boys office. So he wasn't <laughs> he wasn't mean, but uh, he he wasn't too happy I was there. Sure. Well, you know, what Chris... was the second? Wait, what was the second time? Oh, that was the second time. That First was time I just saw him after a concert in an oh, underground okay. garage, and we just talked about uh, I can hear music. He had just released that, and I knew he produced that. To piggyback on that a little bit, we a lot. It never fails with the 
the members we've had on, you know, Bobby Figueroa, I think was the first one who told the story, but Chris Farmer told one last night. I'm sure there's more, but it's the Carl. It's the, he's this kind of gentle guy, gentle soul. But when you're playing the music, he means business. And if you mess up, you get the look he's, you know, he, he'll yeah. call you out and embarrass you, whatever, but it was, it was for the integrity of the music, you know, and I, I respect I, a lot, those two sides of him, you know, and that's what they, they all said. He was the greatest guy. And they said he was just a guy you wanted to please. It's just whether he was being nice to you or being tough on you, you just wanted to please him because that's the kind of guy he was. And I thought that was pretty neat. I interviewed Mike Kowalski for my book. So Mike Kowalski played percussion and drums longer than anyone else in in the Beach Boys. Um, And he talks about, you know, bad enough when Dennis died. And and I know at least one fan who never went to see another Beach Boys show after Dennis was gone because – to some people, Dennis, if anyone was a really a Beach Boy, it was him, you know, and without yeah. him, they're not really Beach Boys. None of them are Beach Boys. I mean, yeah. maybe Bruce a little bit, but um, but he said bad enough when Dennis was gone. When Carl was gone, it was just different from that point on. And, and, and you know, Mike is a classy guy. I mean, he got fired by Mike Love and replaced with John Cowsill. Um Never said a bad thing at all about the group, like on or off the record with me. But he just said this. He said, when when Carl was gone, it was different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't and I don't know that I'd be surprised if anybody said differently. You know, it's got to be. I mean, that's why having Chris on last night was great because he was there for that transition, you know, and it was really uh, interesting to hear his take. But yeah, not surprising. I mean, are you Mark? Are you one of those? Are you a guy that's. No Wilson, no Beach Boy kind of thing. I mean, you know, I've been to many of the Mike and Bruce shows and I think they put on a good show. And I mean, it's it's not going to happen with any Wilsons, you know, unless they reunite with Brian and that's not going to happen. So it's fine, you know, and and as we talked about, you know, Brian gave us a lot of a lot of live shows. So, you know, if if I'm in Cape Cod on vacation and the Beach Boys are playing the Melody Tent, I'm going to see the Beach Boys and I'm having a good time. So that's all there is to it. Although. I, I, I resonate a lot with the Wilson brothers. Um, and, and I think a lot of people do. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, Matt, you had a uh, many moods about surfs up the album a while ago where you, where you were kind of saying it was overrated, but it, yeah. it is an album that a lot of people like, like my daughter loves it. Uh, you know, I, a friend of mine's not a Beach Boys fan, and I made him like a sort of amped up surfs up with a few bonus cuts and stuff like this. And it's just interesting that, all the songs he liked were Wilson Brothers songs. So Till I Die, yeah, Fourth uh, of July by Dennis, which I added on, and the two Carl songs. Did, mm-hmm. Didn't care so much for any of the other stuff. I mean, I like the other stuff for the most part, not so much student demonstration time. But um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's just something about the Wilson Brothers. It's just different than the other guys. You know, they have a sort of spiritual thing going on in their music uh, that's very special. And, 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 you know, when that's not there... And, you know, I want to talk about some of the 80s albums and stuff like that. Like when you look at an album like Summer in Paradise, which which you guys talked about in an episode, I mean, Carl sings a bit. No, Brian, like to me, it's not even a Beach Boys album, you know, or not not the kind of Beach Boys album I want to listen to. Anyhow, I think, Mark, you kind of alluded to it earlier. I think when Carl's gone, that's it's tough. It's tough to to picture you know, because he was at the helm for so I mean, long. Brian it's... wasn't there on tour even in the heyday, so we don't have right, to worry right, about Brian right. not being there. But when there's right. no Wilson, and and you know, I, I 
in my memory, I, I for many years I said, oh yeah, I, I did see all the Beach Boys with Dennis, 1979. My memory was not good. I was 10 years old. I now you know the book came out, John Stebbins, Neen Rustin, with all the concert dates. Yeah. And so what I learned was that Dennis was not there because he he was he was suspended from the band for you know attacking Mike Love and his various like drug and alcohol problems. It, it was Bobby Figueroa that was playing that night. So I never yeah. saw Dennis. So I, I was <laughs> yeah. crushed when my memory was uh, shown to be false. Uh, that, that, that is a bummer, man. That's too nothing bad. against well, Bobby. I love Bobby. And he's no, great. no, no, no. But having like a, yeah, that stinks. So if we're saying not that we all have to agree, uh, but if we're saying that, you know, at some point, Dennis, Carl being gone, uh, that's not the beach boys anymore live. Well, then what about, on record is it the same uh because they they produced uh, many a number of albums since then is that the beach boys you know um well let's we can get in that the 85 album is is that was the first album of course after dennis passed it totally has a different feel i mean i think there's the truth in that without any and you know any even if it was one or two dennis songs on there or dennis drumming on anything but you still, to me, you still have everybody on that album except for Dennis. It's the Beach Boys. So, you know, and they're still technically the Beach Boys. I, you know, I like, that's why God made the radio. And I mean, there's, there's no Wilson's, uh, well, Brian's on there, but there's no Carl or Dennis. Um, yeah, but there, but Brian's kind of the, I mean, you know, there's a lot of committee stuff going on, but Brian is yeah. probably the number one force behind that album. Yeah. But, but to me, it's like, if, if you listen to that versus even an album from the eighties or the seventies, it's, it's very, very different, but a lot of bands go through that. I mean, Frankie Valley in the four seasons is Frankie Valley and, and a bunch of people, you know, Bob Gaudio is not out there anymore, you know, or, or That's pick true. a band, the Eagles, you know, I mean, so uh, to me, it's about the music. I, I think if you want to call yourself the beach boys, because legally you can then call yourself the beach boys. I I'm kind of like with Greg on that. I would go see them for fun, but the records are, are different for me. I don't think there'll be another beach boys record. And I think if, that's why God made the radio was the last one. I think it was good because I think Brian showed a lot of, you know, there's parts on that album that are really brilliant, you know, really. And, you know, Brian and Mike stuff and all yeah. that again, no Carl, but I, I, I tend to, to think no Carl, no beach with his voice in the stack, yeah. you know, his, his lead, he, he sounded, by the way, to me, his best vocals were from 1980 on Greg and I talk about that, but his vocals on keeping the summer alive and the 85 album, you know, and then, even still cruising, which is kind of half an album. We're so good. Summer in paradise, baby. Yeah. Summer in paradise. So you're definitely missing something without him. It's just different. It, technically it's still the beach boys, but it's not the beach boys music that moves me. You know, if that makes sense, like it did when they were all there, you know, like you said that the spiritual, um, uh, you know, cohesiveness that the, the brothers had with their cousin, Mike and Alan and Bruce is that that's not there anymore. So, you know, you take it for what it is. It's not awful, but yeah, I think I think there's too much to talked about about are they the Beach Boys or not. Greg and I, even on our show, aren't really super interested in that. You know, we we like we like the music. So yeah, and I don't don't get me wrong. I like I do I think we do like the storyline too. I mean, there's, of course. I mean the whole smile thing and the brothers and the dad and the you know. I just the mean the politics. The politics we don't really. Oh care about, yeah yeah you know, yeah. That's no, what no. I'm getting at. Yeah, I, yeah. I love the, their story, but I mean yeah, it it seems odd to know. me to like take time to go on Facebook and like be angry about it. It's like, God, yeah. man, it's like, what, what, what are you doing? Man? These are divisive that time. times. 
you yeah. could have spent that I'm time getting... listening to uh listening to a record you know what i mean so like, yeah or, <laughs> yeah or go yeah or, yeah exactly <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about the 80s a bit more and I, I wanted to talk you know before we we came on we were discussing this and what we have are, are different generations of Beach Boy fans in on this call. I sort of imagine this like multi-generational Beach Boy smackdown happening because you've got Phil who started being a fan in 1963. I started being a fan. I can't even remember exactly when, but let's say 1977 or, or thereabouts. Um, but you guys are younger. Matt, you became a fan around the time of Kokomo. And that's interesting because at that time, I was going in my second phase of Beach Boys fandom. I was discovering Wild Honey and Sunflower, and I was trying nice. to convince people, you haven't heard these Beach Boys albums. These albums are so cool. You're not mm -hmm. going to believe it. And mm -hmm. then Kokomo comes out. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. Like everything <laughs> I just said is like been deflated. That's hilarious. Why is Carl singing on this song? Now, I mean, just to be fair, <laughs> over the years, I mean, it's a number one song. Number one songs are lightning in a bottle. I've come to live with it and I guess even enjoy that song. But at the time I was so against it, you know, mm -hmm. but it's interesting that that's what made you guys fans. And, and, you know, I, I've noticed this, especially with Greg, that a lot of the stuff that you like and you talk about on the show is not stuff that I like. I feel like you're the bizarro me and, and sort of vice versa. But uh, Phil, what, what was your reaction when Kokomo came out as a longtime fan who remembers when Good Vibrations was on top of the charts. Um, I want to say I was embarrassed, um, uh, upset, sad, all those kinds of things. Uh, but, you know, there it is. And it did go number one. And Carl is on that song. Uh, his voice, to me, is uh, saves it, if you will. Uh, but it, it, it came in, in a era of Beach Boy history that I am right my head lately is labeling it a Mike and Terry time uh, get you back and summer in paradise and still cruising and uh, some of the other songs that uh, the two of them teamed up in and they even brought California dreaming uh, there's some good Beach Boy sounds at that time I don't know that all the songs were as great but it anytime a song has the harmonics of of a Beach Boy song. Uh, I you know I swoon over it. I love it. I'm drawn to it, even if they didn't produce it, or even if you know Brian's not there, but some of the the band is there. So I'm just rattling on, Mark. Uh, I, I did not react well when it first came out, uh, <coughs> but uh, it's it's to Mike's credit, along the years he's found ways to keep breathing life into something that maybe on its own would have uh, ended. We'd still have a great catalog of music, but uh, we're still getting some good stuff. Yeah, good point, Phil. You know, from my point of view, I, I you know, as nine or 10, I, I know Kokomo came out when I was eight, but I don't remember, maybe I was eight, but I remember they still, you know, AM radio still, and you had oldies channels, you know, or even FM had an oldies channel. And so I would hear Surfing USA in the car or, Little Deuce Coop is one I really remember. So then when Kokomo came out to me, that was like, that's the exact same band, you know, because I didn't know um, Pet Sounds yet. I didn't know, like you talk about the 70s stuff and the late 60s. So I guess there's a different perspective that way, too, for a younger fan. To me, that was like, yeah, they, they're still there. They got number one hit and it's, you know, Kokomo sounded good to me compared to Little Deuce Coop, you know, for example, or something like that. It's not that far. We off, thought it know? was the same band because it had it was called the Beach Boys, not necessarily because you thought it sounded the same. It, it, 
they, they sat well they sounded older right of course they did but but the music sounded similar i guess is what i'm saying you know okay. it wasn't like it wasn't like i knew good vibrations when i heard kokomo you know or heroes and villains or something like that it was it was their early hits almost like endless summer kind of thing you know and so to me being and i was little keep in mind too i wasn't you know thinking about this stuff analyzing it as a you know rational person in my 20s but it was it, it didn't sound that far off to me that that was the Beach Boys. It just got me. It got me actually to like them a lot more. You know, you guys are the guys that have connected it to 1964. You you proved that there's a connection between <laughs> that. Be done. Well, I'd how, say how, I, how, go ahead, Greg, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I think it really speaks to how impactful that box set was that came out. The 30, 30 years, good vibrations. The first time you hear some smile stuff. And for yeah. a really young, I mean, I think it was in third grade, second grade just got an acoustic guitar for my birthday and they made that collection in such a way that I could connect the dots from surfing to Kokomo because every, the way it was pieced together and, and all credit in the world goes to uh, Alan Boyd, right? David leaf, all those, the cats that Mark put Mark Lynette, Lynette yeah. the guys that put that together. Cause every CD had like, it, it was visually like, what was like the first CD had a really neat art on it. The second CD, the next section. And all of a sudden in my head, like those eras had colors and mm -hmm. they had, it was different, but it was still the beach boys, you know? Right. And so, Oh, well, I, I love the, or, like the orange, uh, the, the big orange that was on the cover of one of them. It's like, Oh, that's the cool San Miguel era, like seventies stuff, you know? And, and then all of a sudden, cause I think had I had mad experience, I don't know that I would have put surf in USA with Kokomo. That would have been tough, but growing up and, and my first beach boys experience being that box set, they so beautifully connected the dots uh, and put these eras together, mark, you know, marking them differently, but, but a cohesive unit. Uh, I, I thought that was such a, a brilliant thing. And uh, where I, was really, like, I was really it lucky. Sounds like that was a tutorial for you. Um, kind of a, maybe a, a mini course on, on how to, connect the current stuff back 100 percent. oh man so phil it's it, very it, interesting exactly and they did it they did it in such a nice way like the smile stuff was weird but it wasn't overbearing right it was like it was enough to be like what what is this right and i remember early on listening to it i would skip over sail on sailor because i'm like who is this does not sound like a beach boy skip you know <laughs> yeah. uh because what's his face would start singing um you know, yeah, bloody, uh, yeah. I'm like, this is what is that? I always thought it was Ray Charles, if I'm being completely honest. But uh, <laughs> Ray Charles has has sung that did, song. Yeah, yeah, he did a great rendition. Uh, I, <laughs> I would never have. No, I didn't know that when I was little. You know, I was like, who is Who is this dude? Random dude. I would skip over some of the. But as I, you know, as you as you get older, you start to, OK, maybe I'll start to listen to this one a little bit more and kind of start to fill in the fill in the puzzle to eventually you listen to all of it. And and then you, well, you guys probably listen to top 40 radio or whatever it was called back then the current stuff and every once in a while the beach boys would not come out with a new song but they would come out and everyone would know they were doing vocals on an elton john song or a vj thomas uh, did so that cool. help at all or did that make them california feel? girls with david lee roth <laughs> yeah you know did, did that make you I, connect dots at all or what i you know i i kind of talked about kokomo i'll you know, here's the embarrassing thing that you guys will be really embarrassed about. Greg probably knows what I'm going to say, but, you know, I watched TGIF, you know, on ABC and Full House. Who shows up on Full House? You know, the uh -huh. Beach Boys. I, you know, for for all the, the ridicule they get for that era, I am I'm telling you, I am living proof that that 
made me a fan because after that, again, I, I think I had, some, they used to have like cassette tapes. So I didn't have like the actual albums, but they were all like different compilations. They're not even ones I can, you know, can see anymore. I don't even remember what they were, but I remember, you know, do it again, again, catch a wave. It was almost like the endless summer stuff. And I, then I started to buy their albums. And when I was like 13 or 14, I bought pet sounds. I listened to it one time and I was like, I don't, I don't even know what this is. I, I did not appreciate pet sounds till I, you know, I was an adult and um, Greg, I will say the same thing about that box set that Greg did. It, it did put a lot of the pieces together for me early to later. And when you read the history, that's why the history does matter. You know, Greg say, we say we're not historians. We're not the politics don't matter, but the history does because if you read about what was happening in 1969, say to 73 or, you know, sunflower through, whatever Holland, it, it, it makes me appreciate the music more when you know what was going on and how they recorded it and what was going on. So to me, that was a big thing. Cause when you take one of those songs externally, just by itself, it doesn't, those songs in the seventies don't sound like the beach boys to me, like from the sixties, of course, you know? Um, so I, all that stuff definitely, definitely helped me, but I don't, I think I was of the era where I don't remember, the beach boys singing any backups on anything really in the, in the nineties. I know they did like a crocodile rock cover, I think, which I like, by the way, I Carl, Carl saves that one too, you know? Um, yes, so right. by the time I got into it, it was more, it Wipe was a Kokomo greatest hits, boys. wipeout. Yeah. And then oh. kind of went away from it for a while. And then when I came back, it was Greg, Greg sending me some live recordings, bootlegs, and then smile. And smile was like, it was like, there's the beach boys, but then there's smile. You know what I mean? And that after that, I, I went back to pet sounds and things like that and kind of, kind of put the pieces. So I appreciate all the eras. Now I have my, my favorites, of course. And I, I definitely think there's eras that are a lot better than others, musically, everything, but I do appreciate all of it. Well, we know, Matt, we know very anyone who's ever watched your show knows you have this unholy love for MIU. So I, I wish I wish you would expand on that a bit. What What, what is it about that album that you love so much? And that's a that's very an awesome question. Uh, it's a, <laughs> I'm actually really I know interested you guys are this. of two minds on this one. We joke about it, but I don't know that anyone like I would. I don't know that I've ever actually asked you that question. That's a great question, Mark. I what? Matt, yes, yeah, sorry. What is it about? I, I just want to preface this by saying that I think one reason why that album has been so reviled by some fans is because Dennis, aside from the, you know, they used his vocal from My Diane on that, had nothing to do with it. And he had that famous quote where he said, that album is an embarrassment to my life. It should self-destruct. So I think a lot of people who, who like Dennis and what he brought to the table in the 70s probably jump on that bandwagon that could be part of it. But, but Matt, please tell me why do you love MIU so much? Um, you know, here's the thing. I can listen to Holland. I can listen to Carl and the passion surfs up and I appreciate those albums. And, you know, if objectively somebody wants to tell me, you know, those are good and the songs are good. I accept that, but there's just something about when you listen to music, the way it moves you, you know, and I can't, it may sound funny that MIU does that to me, but it does. And that's it's really all very, I can explain. It's very funny. It's very, I funny. think, I think Brian Wilson, um, something happened to him. He says he doesn't remember that era very much, but his voice, all the rasp is gone in his voice, you know, in his, in his vocals. Um, I, I really believe there's some, I believe uh, sweet Sunday kind of love is a, is a beautiful song. I think that, that could go in any era. I love pitter patter. I just, 
there's a lot of Al Jardine singing on the album, which I like. I love the feel of the album. It feels to me like a cohesive album. It wasn't a lot of, yeah, you have like uh, Peggy Sue on there, come go with me, but it, it's, it's, it's a collection of songs from that era. It's not a lot of recycled songs. It's what they were doing at the time. And I, you know, history aside, I just like, I like the way it, I feel when I listen to it. it. It, it does it for me. Every single track on there. I like Kona coast, you know, I like, I like them all. I like bells of Paris, believe it or not. It's just, I can't explain it. Um, but sometimes you can't explain those things again. Objectively. Is it the best beach boys album ever? No. Is it in the, the bottom 15 or the 30 something? Probably, you know, but I don't think that matters all the time. I, when I put it on, it makes me feel happy, you know, and that's, that's the, I, I don't skip one. The only track I would skip on that album is Hey Little Tomboy. But the interesting thing about that track is the musical part of it is really cool. You know, the instrumentation and and the chord changes and all that. The lyrics are a regrettable creepy, lyric. Yeah. And and that that one also was from an earlier session. But I don't know if that answers the question satisfactorily, but it's just, you know, when I put on Pet Sounds, it's wow. You know, and when I put on MIU, I'm going to say it. I go, I, it's it's not wow, but it's a similar thing. I, it just puts me in a good space, you know? I, I don't think it's bad. And and I think some of the best, I think the best tracks on it are kind of recycled because you got the stuff. I, I like the covers of Peggy Sue and come go with me, I think is great. And, you know, I think those are carryovers from the 76 when they are, were yeah, like yeah. doing a lot of uh, oldies, but my Diane, I think is poof. That is the classic track on that album. That is like pure Brian. I mean, I'm amazed they even released this song. He is like talking about his wife's sister and, <laughs> yeah. and, and the affair that they had and how painful it is that they broke up. I mean, I'm, I mean, I know they buried it on side two, but still the fact that it ever saw the light of day, that is, that is, uh, you know, that is Brian distilled. Um, it's kind of a cynical album in a way because it started off as a christmas album and then the, the yeah. record company said no so like okay let's rewrite these songs as something else you know let's see how we can like get these out there in the world but i mean brian's name is on a lot of the credits although we talked earlier about how brian does things for other people i mean i feel like yeah. he was dragged along to ohio or wherever it is they they recorded this album iowa iowa, iowa sorry yeah. um yeah and, and like david leaf said to us like you know he's Brian Wilson. So even if his heart's not into it, it's, it's sort of like Picasso in, in the later days when he wanted to make some bucks, he'd get up in the morning and he'd scribble something and he'd sell it for like a whole bunch yeah. of money. But I mean, it's still Picasso, right? So, I mean, Brian, even when he's like scribbling something, like you're going to get something redeeming yeah. out of it. And and if, yeah. if, if there's a, if to me, if there's like a guilty pleasure on that album, it's pitter patter. I mean, I shouldn't I like love that pitter. song. No, but I see, I don't, but I don't know why you have to say that. That's what I mean. I, I like that song. And, you know, that's the other thing you kind of pointed it out. Dennis didn't like the album. And I think there's a lot of that. That's when I talk about like the politics, you know? Yeah. Dennis isn't on it very much, but to me, I, I like to listen to it without that stuff. And I like to listen to the music, you know, again, it's not pet sounds, but not everything has to be pet sounds to me, you know? Um, Won't you come out tonight? Brian's vocal on that is great. You know uh, what's the, the tennis one again, goofy lyrics, but um, great match, great, point, of our match point of our love, you know, great vocals on that so again you're we're talking late 70s beach boys easy listening what they call yacht rock it's kind of like that you know yeah and Mark, uh, i'll be honest if i had known this was going to be an miu love fest that thing <laughs> i probably would have passed on doing this Greg, what do you think of miu no i i'm i'm just kidding no i i'm with matt i i we we make fun of each other a lot on the show you know and it's because we're brothers i think it's because it's fun it's it's fun to do you know and i probably do more of the making fun than matt does <laughs> to me but uh 
No, I it comes down to it. Matt nailed it. Look, if something if a piece of music makes you feel something and, and have a positive experience or sometimes a negative experience, I think it moves you in a way, then then it's it's yeah, that that that's your thing, you know. And I think that's super cool that Matt has that connection. Do I have that connection? Uh no, no, I do not. Um I think I think yeah, no, I there's there's not really a whole lot of redemption on that album for me. Now I will say this. The thing I love about our show and not to not to plug our show on your show, but the thing I've I've really, really loved about the show. And I'm not I'm not bullshitting here. It's the thing I've really loved is that we do these album reviews. Right. And uh, and, um, you know, I don't know that even as a diehard diehard Beach Boy fan that I've gone into the depth of learning every song, you know, the best way that I can, even though it's not still the best. And then Matt us talking through the history of the album and going through it song by song the appreciation level of the music has gone up times a hundred. And, and uh, I didn't, I didn't ever think I would ever even listen to MIU again, but I definitely find myself listening to it now. And that's because of the time we spent, you know, listening to the music, learning the music to, to and then sharing it with the folks on our show. Uh, yeah. It's uh that's been a kind of a fun thing about, about the music. Cause yeah, everybody has different opinions. Everybody has different experiences with music and, um, and yeah, kind of tearing them down, tearing the songs down. Um, you know, like pitter patter, man, the ch- chord progressions that are really nice and sweet Sunday kind of love. I mean, I did a cover of it. I did a hack cover of it, but it's like, like, like you did it like a torch song almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, um, this music is absolutely great. Now, sometimes production and lyrics can get in the way for me that make it really difficult. And of course it's got this big black eye, which is the lyric of, uh, Hey, little tomboy. But if you can kind of get past that, I'll say that it's definitely something you, sh- as a Beach Boy fan, you should give a listen to. Is it uh, my favorite? No. Have you heard like the longer version of Hey, Little Tomboy, the one that was recorded earlier for uh, Adult Child or whatever it was? That's <laughs> they even thought crazier. they thought it should be longer. Yikes! Oh yeah, have you have you heard it, Matt? I've I heard I've heard it before. I, I don't think say I, I, I don't I think I've heard lot, it. But... What's long? What is what's longer? I think there's another... a whole spoken word thing at the yeah, end weird. where like they're what? saying stuff like now shave your legs for the very first time. Yeah, like, it's it's, oh yeah. no! Are you it's serious? The <laughs> they that was one good decision they did make because we talk about sometimes why do they do these things? But that was a good decision to get rid of that. <laughs> but you know. wow, Phil, I, I what did say you... though? I, I Matt, I, I I musically I do think that's a pretty good song. Music. Yeah. Yes. Phil, what did you think of Hey Little Tom or Hey Little Tom Boy? Never mind. Phil, what did you think of uh, of like those albums? You know, the light album with the disco stuff and the Love you, MIU. MIU. What did you think about those albums, those kind of late 70s albums when they came out? Uh, dissonance for me, uh, not so much the sound of it, just this thing of uh, letting the Beach Boys uh, grow up. Maybe that's maybe not the right word, but yeah. Every time an album, well, starting with Pet Sounds, I think, a new album would come out, I'd listen, and my first response is, this isn't what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to sound like this. Where are the songs of, you know, yeah, sure, surfing? And then later on, where are the songs like Pet Sounds? <laughs> so eventually, I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd get on board and recognize uh, there's good stuff here. But uh, this, this is just me, but, uh, you know, expectations and assumptions make it hard you know as you were talking earlier matt every text has a context and the context sometimes makes the text make sense mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. for me going through chronologically with them um 
just a lot of disappointment, but not for the right reasons. And so yeah. that's, I'm glad I'm still around to be able to put it in, in a more of a, uh, in a better way of looking at it. But the one that I love is the Beach Boys Love You because that is pure 100% Brian with like Carl and Dennis helping out and some good vocal assists from Al and Mike. Like to me that, I know that's another divisive one, but I love that album. And, and when I hear MIU, I hear this, Brian is being diluted by like Al and Mike. Like they're trying to steer Brian in a direction that I don't like because it doesn't feel honest. Like Beach Boys Love You, as wacky as it is, that is Brian. And you give me like pure Brian and, and I'm happy. Yeah. I, I mentioned that when we talked about MIU, it is a little bit more, um, not, I don't want to say back to basics, but nostalgia. Let's, let's try to recreate what we did in the sixties. I, you know, I get that about it, but that's why I say it's not in context. Yeah. It's not the greatest, but you know, love you's a funny album too, because there uh, there's like half of that album that I, I really like. And the other half it is Brian and it's funny, but it's more, like a novelty to listen to it. But the end of that album, it's almost like Brian finished albums with these, like these mini suites all the time, you know, and there's one on there too with, um, you know, I'll bet he's nice. I don't remember the exact order, but the night was so young. I'll bet he's nice. Let's put our hearts together. You know, uh, he just has these, these, uh, these songs that come in the sequence that, that just show his brilliance still, you know, and that's what I appreciate about love you for all the quirkiness you still hear, he might be a tortured guy there at a different time in his life, but he still has that Brian Wilson magic. You know, I sir, that's what I like about Surf's Up. I I don't like that whole album, but those last three songs on there, um, mm. you know, Till I Die, Day in a Life of a Tree, and Surf's Up to me, I go they go really well together. It's kind of another one of those mini suites. And when you go back to the 60s albums, they're, they're all over the place. But I think if you take the best songs from Love You, M.I.U., and, and The Light album, you'd have a pretty good, you know, pretty good collection. I, they, they still did some solid work, you know, during that time. Um, MIU is probably, if I'm being honest, probably the weakest of those three. But when I put on the light album, I got to, I got to, I got to skip Sumahama, you know, yeah. I got to skip the disco stuff. I got to skip uh, going South or whatever, you know what I mean? But when I listen to MIU, to me, it just flows uh, as a kind of a cohesive thing. And that's one of the things I think I like about it. It puts me in a mood, you know, a good mood. I agree with that. The The only song, and I, I don't, it's not so hard to skip it because it's the very last one that, that last song. Um, what the heck is it called? You would know better than me on which album winds of change. that ends MIU winds of change. Oh, winds, winds of change. Of, right I don't know back, what that yeah. is, but uh, it's actually quite a solid album until that one. Oh, that's a Ron, well, that's, that's a Ron Altbeck song. Yeah. Ron yes. Altbeck wrote Beach that. Yeah. Writers on it. That Main one's tough. Yeah, you know, yes. it's kind of it's kind of what what the Bruce songs were to a lot of Beach Boy albums. It's like it's very very not Beach Boys. It's like it's almost like another artist did it. So it's very it's it it's uh yeah, it's I agree with you I mean, on that one. I like the song. If they, it's weird. If they placement. Kind of gave him that out uh, that cut uh for his produce, you know, he was part of producing the album, so who knows yeah. what. Yeah. Yeah, just another another uh Another guy, we had him on the show and he was really awesome and real gracious. He sent us some cool pictures of his time with the Beach Boys after and he had some funny stories. And Dude, the that best was kind story. of a shock when he he passed. But yeah, it was really sad. Um, the, the best story, Matt, was when uh, he told the story of Mike Love and how when he first when they they were they were I guess they were going after the same girl at a bar. And Mike Mike called him up that night, the hotel, like two in the morning or something. and was like, hey, like telling him this is my territory, <laughs> yeah. you know, like back <laughs> off, man. I think Ron brought, brings up brought up that story quite a lot. 
It's so good. Yeah. It's a it's a great story because you could totally you could picture all all of it. Like I can picture these two dorky guys going after this girl like mike in his, in his sequence vest like trying to right. act like he's a tough guy because <laughs> right. you know I mean? mike <laughs> in that time period was he wore some funny stuff yeah yeah he did <laughs> yeah something you guys uh said earlier a couple times about that 30 years uh multi-cd yeah uh, release uh it made me think about how for some reason maybe it's because i'm nearer the end than the beginning of my life but i'm wondering okay when all of us are long gone uh, i hope this music still uh gets into the ears of a lot of people because i i think it will uh, bless them and all four of us on this call are going to be passing it along to the next generation right oh okay. yeah yeah exactly i i like to think i don't think it's possible but i'd love i'd love to think that and i'm sure mark you would too and phil that Maybe there's maybe there's something we did that maybe made somebody listen to a song in a different way or an album mm -hmm. in a different way that all of a sudden impacted their life, just like every people did for us, you know, like Matt did for me, you know, just bringing home that box set completely changed the trajectory of my entire life. Like, look at what we're doing. I mean, we're mm -hmm. I mean, uh, yeah, I think it's so cool to think about that kind of stuff. I, I was uh, like eight years old or whatever in my cousin's basement. And she's like, listen to this. She puts on the eight track tape of best of the beach boys volume two headphones on my ears. And that was it. I love yeah. that. I think. Yeah. That see that story. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's what I think. I just, what, what he's saying that their music really is. I, I, there's not many people that even if they don't know the beach boys very well, say they don't like the beach boys, you know? Um, oh, they'll be like, Oh, I know that, uh, that song. I thought it was the Beatles or something. I've heard that before, you know, but I just, I, maybe I'm biased. I, I am, I am biased, but I just think their music, really is brian wilson really was such a musical uh genius if you want to use that word just you know it, it just it moves me so much and i just greg and i on the show try to that's what we try to get across is give this album another listen give this album another listen because even if it's not you know the the, the best one known by critics or whatever there's something there because it's the beach boys you know it is carl it is brian and all those guys and uh, and I, I agree with you, Greg, about the stripped down album stuff we do. Uh, I'm the same way, like the light album. I don't think I, I would have even listened to the light album if I if it weren't for our show. Right, Greg, and the, and the people on yeah. our show who told us yeah. to listen to it. You yeah, 100 um, percent. That's a good example. And, and I never would have remembered Baby Blue, which is one of my my favorite songs now ever and my favorite Dennis song, you know. So that's what I, I, I think that what's happened with us and what happens with people in the beach boy world that listen to it and get into that rabbit hole. I don't see why that's going to change really. I just, it's just the nature of their music, you know, it's good music, you know? So. No, and I commend you for what you guys do on your show. I mean, uh, you bring to light all the albums, like you, you'll never win me over on summer in paradise, but I, <laughs> you talked about keeping the summer alive, you know, which I would not say is a great album, but you made me like give it another thought and give it another listen. I'm like, yeah, you know, some good stuff there. It's all awesome. right. Sweet. I, I got a nice hear. note from uh, Blaine Campbell. He's got a, he sent a record to me. I think he sent it to Greg too, but it's, Oh yeah. We got to review that. By yeah. The way. We will Blaine Campbell, mm -hmm. the California sound, but he wrote a note in there and he said, you and your brother's show has really made me feel happy and, and that it's okay to like everything in the beach boys catalog, you know? And that meant a lot to me because that's what I mean. When we talk about the politics, it, it's okay to like, you know, you don't have to say, 
you know, Kokomo's dumb or MIU's dumb or whatever. You know what I mean? It's it's okay to like it all. It's okay well, to be a fan and like what you like, you know. And, and along with that, if if there's anything too that I along with that, Matt, if there's anything I hope our show uh, kind of like a, if there's a headline for our show, it's that. And you don't have to know everything. Like you don't right. have to know. Like it, it, I remember, you know, on the message boards, you know, like smiley smile and those kind oh, of yeah. things. Like. You just felt stupid all the time. Like if you didn't, if you didn't know what Brian was doing in 1976 at his house, you know, it's like just all yeah. these really random things. You don't have to be an expert and it's okay if you don't know. And and it's so, and I don't know. I just, I, I just hope people know that you don't, don't have to be a diehard fan. You can just enjoy the music, have fun with it. Uh, Yeah. That that's it, man. hundred percent. Yep. Guys, keep on doing what you're doing, and and thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us. You must be tired after doing your own uh, show yesterday, but uh, what uh, can we tell listeners out there to to look forward to uh, as far as what you guys have uh, in the works? Yeah, so we've got uh, uh, we got a couple of really fun things. So this Sunday night we're doing a special show. We got Christian Love coming on, which will be really, really great. We've never had him on, so that's going to be exciting. And then we've got a fin- a season finale. We're, we're going to welcome on. Fingers crossed. His he has he has confirmed, but uh, a month ago, so we got to yeah, reconfirm. But yeah, uh, but uh, we have somebody coming on that's going to be really, really special that Matt and I are really looking forward to. Uh, and then also we're working on another uh, Beach Boy cover, and we're working on a. a we're not only are we working on it. But we have a couple of collaborators that we're really excited uh, to have on it, to play on it. And uh, just so uh, it's going to be really cool. So hopefully people like that. If, if they enjoyed Kokomo, I'm hoping that they'll they'll like this next one that comes out. So I'm looking forward to your uh, cover of Still Cruising. Oh, <laughs> dude, I actually really like Still Cruising. I would do a cover of Still Cruising. I think but they Mark- use that in Lethal Weapon 2, if I recall correctly. Yeah, they yeah. did, yeah. Yeah. But hey, Mark and Phil, how about thank you guys, man? I mean, while we're while we're patting backs here, you know, it's uh one, Mark, thanks for joining us on our show, man. It was an honor to have you on. And uh, and thank you guys, man. You know, it's uh when you see other people do this and do it in a really quality way, it not only is it inspiring, but it gives us confidence that, like, hey, you know, we've got other people that are doing this, that are doing it well. We can keep going as long as you know, it's kind of like a collective thing that we're all doing, and it's not uh I love that there's I'm sure there's some competitive spirit, but it's, it's all very positive, you know? Um, and so thank you guys for, for keeping things going. Phil, uh, this is a, our, our official invitation. We got to get you on the show, man. I would yes. love to have you on, uh, at, at some point. So, uh, you. you know, you know what you have to ask Phil, cause he hardly ever talks about it, but he was in a band in the sixties. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, if I'm not mistaken, he was trying to play his record for, uh, for the beach boys back in the day. So make sure he talks about oh, man. That. what, you can't yeah, leave you... us with that cliffhanger, or maybe we do. <laughs> Phil, we got to have you on. We, uh, we would we would love to hear that. Yeah, be glad to do it. Be fun. Oh uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, thank thank you all for having us. And and again, like Greg said, for all you do, we, you know, you're doing this before we did, and you know, we're just like I said, we're just fans that are really blessed with what we've been able to to do and and who we've been able to talk with and all that. So it's been fun. Well, you guys have more energy than us. You're pumping them out once a week. We we can't keep up with you. <laughs> we fake it. It's, we fake it pretty well. I, the, yeah. We took a couple of weeks off of, a couple yeah. weeks ago. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. we'll, we'll have you back again. There's always so much to uh, to talk about. And thanks to everyone out there listening. Uh, come back next time. And as you know, we'll do it again. <laughs>